presence of God transforms lives and heals hearts. Let's learn today truths on how we can access His presence and release heaven into our daily lives. Welcome to Manifest His Presence with your host, Dr. Candace Smithyman. Well, hello again. It's, it's uh, Pastor Adam, and uh, I want to talk today about something that the Word of God uh, it, you know, teaches, and it's something that we all have to do, and it's something that we all want to receive, and that is to be forgiven. So uh, join me as we go to the Lord before we begin this. Father God, we thank you for this opportunity today. We are grateful for this day. We are grateful to be able to hear this. We uh, want to recognize all the things you've given us and blessed us with, and we come to you humbly and ask for your forgiveness of things where we've missed the mark, of things we're not doing properly. And we, we thank you and ask you this through the blood of your son, Jesus Christ, Yeshua Yamashiach, Jesus the Messiah, and it's in his name we come to you. Amen. So I want to begin right off with, with Jesus uh, talking about this very topic, and it's near the end of his life. Uh, as a human. And let's just dig right into this. It's in Luke chapter 23, starting with verse 32. So scripture says, two other men, both criminals, were also led out with him to be executed. When they came to the place called the skull, there they crucified Jesus along with the criminals, one on his right and the other on his left. Jesus said, Father, forgive them for they do not know what they are doing. And they divided up Jesus' clothes by casting lots. The people stood watching, and the rulers even sneered at Jesus. They said, he saved others. Let him save himself if he is the Christ of God, the chosen one. The soldiers also came up and mocked him. They offered him wine vinegar and said, if you are the king of the Jews, save yourself. There was a written notice above Jesus which read, this is the king of the Jews. One of the criminals who hung there hurled insults at Jesus. Aren't you the Christ? Save yourself and us. Okay. <clears throat> I want to talk about some things here and what, we're, what was going on in this little discourse here. We see the worst of mankind in four ways in these scriptures that we just read. First off, we see Jesus let out with the worst kind of people. It says, verse 32, he's let out with other men who are criminals. Another thing is we see Jesus let out the worst kind of place. Verse 33 says, when they came to the place called the skull. Third thing is we see Jesus let out to the worst kind of profanity. Verses 35 through 39, the people stood watching. One of the criminals who hung there hurled insults at him. And the final thing is we see Jesus let out to the worst kind of punishment. Verse 33 says, there they crucified him. Crucifixion is probably the most terrible and cruel death which man has even devised for taking vengeance on his fellow man. And if we look again at the four ways we see the worst of mankind, we should also see, here's the deal, we should see a lot of ourselves. Some of us listening will have no problem identifying with the actions of mankind around the cross. And then some of us will have a problem identifying. So I wanna dig into this, I wanna explain. Notice again in this text that Jesus was let out with the worst kind of people. Okay, so in the company of murderers and violent criminals, you and I would 
seem to be very good people. But here's the deal. That's not the baseline. In the company of Jesus Christ, aren't we all criminals? Listen, this is why we don't feel very good when people, we read, you know, when we read how Jesus responded to situations when we know we would not respond as gracefully as Jesus did. For instance, when Simon Peter saw Jesus perform one of his first miracles, it says Peter fell at Jesus' knees and said, go away from me, Lord, I am a sinful man. I mean, remember now, Jesus, uh, P- Peter had already seen Jesus doing healing miracles. On, for, you know, he saw him heal his mother-in-law, right? He saw, Peter saw Jesus casting out demons. But when Peter saw and processed that Jesus cared about his everyday activities, like in this situation, catching fish, it's then finally that Peter realized his own insignificance compared to Jesus's greatness, And see, Jesus, there's the deal for each one of us. Jesus cares about our daily activities and is always there if we will only surrender to him. See, I think think each of us, we want to get closer to Jesus because it has, let's be frank, it has certain advantages. But here's another thing that comes with the truth of this, is the closer we get to Jesus, the more you and you are, are conscious, each of us is conscious of just how bad a person we are. I mean, do you ever wonder why the Apostle Paul could call call himself the worst of sinners and actually believe that? I think it's because he was very close to Jesus. I've watched, I see how so many of us really struggle with feelings of being far from perfect. And I don't have to tell you that if we struggle with, with these feelings of being far from perfect, the Satan will only make it worse. So let's, I want to continue by bringing this closer to our, to our lives today. For myself, I'll start with myself. For myself, years ago, I was, I was living a very carnal Christian lifestyle, not, not practicing what the Bible instructs me to do. I was, I was reading the Bible, but I wasn't implementing what it says to do. I was very, very uncomfortable around Christians particularly around Christian leadership, you know, the, the pastors, the ministers, okay? Have you ever noticed how, you know, you may talk a certain way until you see, you know, what we would call, you know, uh, you know I'm not real fond of this term, but a, a man of the cloth or, you know, a holy man come into a room or your environment? Have you ever, has that ever happened to you? Have you ever done that? Spoken some word and then said, oops, sorry, sorry about that, pastor, minister. How about feeling all uncomfortable while you're at a party or at a restaurant and up walks, you know, the pastor and you're, you know, you're, you're drinking, you're carousing, you're probably talking that uh, a proper way. Did that convict you? I, I mean, I'm using that because it did me. It convicted me. I, and for, for instance, I didn't want to hang out with those kind of holy people because it convicted me. And, and if I was brought to that point where I'm either going to have to admit, repent, change my ways, or, or this is the path I chose. And I think a lot of us choose this. We flee from that environment because every time I came around them, I'd feel guilty. Ouch, that might sting a little bit. Okay, so just, you know, that's, that's just being real. Here's another thing that that happened with Jesus. Jesus, we notice in this this situation here, was let out 
to the worst of places. How many of us have gone to some really bad places in our past? And I'm not talking about a bad restaurant. I'm talking, I'm to, and, and what I'm saying, I define a bad place as someplace where we don't tell our parents about when we're younger or, or, or things now, if you're a parent, that you wouldn't discuss with your kids around. How about certain websites, uh, right? Or how about certain shows on TV, cable? See, here's the deal. When we are there, don't we take Jesus with us? I mean, we do if we claim to be a Christian. Would, would Jesus approve of this place I'm going right now? Would Jesus watch this show or go to this website? Okay, that's, that's the second thing. The third thing, notice that Jesus was led out to the worst kind of profanity. How many of us have said some really bad things about Jesus in our past? How many of us grew up taking Jesus, taking the name of Jesus in vain? How many of us have joined in with others who sneered, mocked, or insulted anything to do with Jesus? And here's the deal. Here's the real brunt of this. If somebody else was doing it, did you just walk away or did? Because if you don't do anything when you see something wrong, you're basically making a decision yet you agree with it by your inaction. I know that's harsh. I know a lot of us aren't at that place, but that's where we need to be pushing towards. And you got to learn how to do it very, uh, you know, not necessarily in their face, but do it very cleverly, but that you stand for Jesus. That's, that's the challenge for us. And here's the last thing that was explained in the opening text. Notice that Jesus was led out to the worst kind of punishment. Now, if we'd be honest, we would all say we have hurt Jesus in some way. I mean, we may not, you know, there's no way you and I physically put him on the cross. But what? But from what we've already discussed, we have often hurt Jesus' character and his cause. And until we engage in, the, in this culture battle, this culture war, we are ill-equipping Christians for the rigors of the call of Christ, and we are unwilling to, to fight for our king. See, before the church can be victorious in the culture war, we each must deal with our own sins. We, we need to look at, we need to repent. We need individual moral reform. It was John the Baptist's first message. It was Jesus's first message. But sad to say, it has too often become today's last message, or it's never mentioned at all. It's just all about feeling good. I don't need to do any of that. That's like, that's just the law. That's that old Christianity thing. See, because if we agree that we see mankind at his worst at the cross, well, we should also be certain to see God at his best. There's victory from what happened at the cross. See, in the scripture we use today, we find the worst, we find the first word that Jesus said on the cross was this, Father, forgive them for they do not know what they are doing. This is what Jesus was continually praying this. And we see God at his best in the cross of Christ because the cross is the place of forgiveness. The cross of Christ is the place of forgiveness because of three things we see in the words that Jesus said, Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. It's the place of forgiveness because the will of Christ 
the word of Christ, and the work of Christ all want to forgive. It's the will of Jesus Christ that we are forgiven. In in that verse there, in verse 34, the words Jesus said could very well be translated that Jesus continually prayed this. In other words, folks, no matter how much worse it got for Jesus as he's barely able to breathe on the cross, he never changed his will that we be forgiven. He didn't, in other words, here's here's what I kind of get, this is how I break this down. Jesus did not allow his emotions rule his will. He didn't let his soul take over his mind, will, and emotions. If we look again at the four ways we see mankind at his worst at the cross, we could insert each of the four ways that the will of Jesus was, Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. I mean, it's obvious you and I aren't like Jesus. We put limits on our forgiveness. It's just be honest about it. There are certain things we will not forgive. We'll go so far And then we stop forgiving. And since we limit our forgiveness, we naturally think God does the very same with his forgiveness. Remember when Jesus talking in, you know, Matthew chapter 18, verses 21 and 22, Peter asked Jesus, how many times shall he forgive his brother when he sins against him? Jesus was doing that teaching about, you know, forgiving. And Peter goes, hey, should I forgive him seven times? And Jesus tells him, answers him with this. He goes, not seven times, but 77 times. So, you know, did, do we really hear what Peter was asking Jesus and then what Jesus was answering Peter? Peter was basically saying that Jesus, seven times is a lot of times, then that's my limit. And will you approve of this? And Jesus, however, is saying to Peter that we're to be like the father and never, ever limit our will concerning forgiveness. And so I think a lot of us, this is one of those places that we choose, we'll forgive some, but not God's will way, right? We got to focus on Jesus's words and not Peter's and say, oh, well, I'm, I'm pretty good because I'm, I'm forgiving him, you know, up to seven times. I've forgiven John this many times or gosh, Jill did this to me and, you know, she's repeated it. It's just a tough one, folks. God forgives us every single, I mean, we're expecting this, right? We expect God to forgive us every single time we ask because we're such good people. Come on now, people, listen to this. Well, in that same way, we need to forgive others every time they ask for our forgiveness. And not only is it the will of Jesus that we are forgiven, but it is also the word of Jesus that we are forgiven. He said, Father, forgive them for they know not what they're doing. Well, how many of us give our word to do something and then we change it? And, and I don't know, I'm speculating here, but perhaps the number one reason we would change our word, like when we say we're going to do something, is because our circumstances have changed. I mean, if, for those of you that are married, right? On our wedding day, we say a lot of words. We, we, we mean, we say them out loud and we make a covenant in front of many witnesses. But we change it later. I mean, I like this, this short story. Paul Harvey told the story of a man who was driving to work one morning and he bumped fenders. He had a little accident with another motorist. Nobody's hurt, right? The car stopped. The woman driving the other car got out to survey the damage and, and she was very distraught. It was clearly her fault. She admitted to it and she had a brand new car and here's less than two days 
from the showroom. I mean, come on, I know some of us listening, this has happened to you as well. And she dreaded facing her husband. Now, this guy that she hit, the male driver, was very sympathetic. But, you know, like you got to do, you've got to pursue exchanging the, you know, the license, the insurance information, all that kind of stuff. And as she reached into her glove compartment to retrieve the documents, they were in an envelope already. And on the paper that she saw in this envelope was her husband's writing. And here were the words that her husband had already written. He said, in case of accidents, remember this, honey. It is you I love, not the car. Hallelujah. I mean, it's the thing. Jesus never changed his words to forgive us. No matter how bad the circumstances got, he continued to pray, Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. And it's still his word and, and it's still his will to see that we're forgiven. It's recorded in the book of 1 John chapter 2, verses 1 and 2. John, the apostle John writes, My dear children, I write this to you so that you will not sin. But if anybody does sin, this is for all of us because we're doing it. We're sinning. Right? We have one who speaks to the Father in our defense, Jesus Christ, the righteous one. He alone is the sac atoning sacrifice for our sins, and not only for ours, but also for the sins of the whole world. I, sometimes, folks, it is so difficult to forgive those who wrong us. Imagine how hard it would be to forgive everything, no matter what they've done. That's what God has done in Jesus, no one, no matter what sin has been committed, is beyond forgiveness. Nobody, no, it doesn't matter what you've done. You're not beyond forgiveness. It's the will of Jesus that we're forgiven. And his will doesn't change. It's the word of Jesus that we're forgiven. And his word doesn't change. And, and equally important, it is because of the work of Jesus on the cross that we can experience forgiveness. We've already proven that we all need forgiveness from God. That's a given. We, we may be either among those who already know what we have done that needs forgiveness, or we may be among those who only see that what they have done or are still doing right now needs forgiveness. We have forgiveness because of the work of Jesus Christ on the cross. We are saved from the punishment of our sins, what their sins deserve, because Jesus took our punishment on the cross. Remember what the prophet Isaiah said. Here, Isaiah in chapter 53, verses four through six says, surely he took up our infirmities and carried our sorrows. Yet we consider him stricken by God, smitten by him and afflicted. But he was pierced for our transgression. He was crushed for our iniquities. The punishment that brought us peace was upon him and by his wounds, we are healed. We all like sheep, have gone astray. Each of us has turned to his own way, and the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. Praise the Lord. As prophesied hundreds of years before the arrival of the Messiah, Jesus Christ. When dealing with this issue of our forgiveness, I want to give us a few steps of encouragement to follow. First, this is, this is, so critical and foundational. We must believe God's word is our authority. We must believe that it's God's will, God's word, and God's work that we can be forgiven. Either what you're hearing right now is fact or it's fiction. 
Next, we must believe these facts by faith. Faith is the only key that opens up the door to forgiveness. It is not a blind faith, but faith in these facts. That is the will, the word, and the work of the Lord. We must exercise that faith by looking to what happened on the cross. Finally, we must believe that we will feel forgiven only after believing the facts by faith. As we look at the facts and believe by faith, we will eventually feel forgiven. I mean, it's great to feel forgiven, and we need to experience it today, but we cannot put feelings first, folks. Remember that feelings come and go, so we must stand on the fact of our forgiveness by faith. You know, I like this thing that Max Licato wrote years ago. He said, ever wonder why there were two crosses next to Jesus Christ or why Jesus was in the center? He said, those two crosses symbolize one of God's greatest gifts, which is what? The gift of choice. The, the two criminals had, had a lot in common, right? They were convicted by the same you know, system. They were condemned to the very same death. They were surrounded by the same crowd, and they were equally close to the, the same Jesus Christ. In fact, they began with the same sarcasm. The two criminals each said cruel things to Jesus Christ, but one of them, while they were up there on the cross, changed. And he says, it's recorded in Luke chapter 23, Verses 42 and 33, he said, Jesus, remember me when you come into your kingdom. And Jesus said to that criminal, truly, I say to you today, you shall be with me in paradise. So hallelujah. While, we, while many of us rejoice at the thief who renewed his mind and changed, equally important, we dare not forget the one who didn't. You know, there are times when God sends thunder to stir us. There are times when God sends blessings to lure us. But there are times when God sends nothing but silence as he honors us with the freedom to choose where we spend eternity. We've never been given a greater privilege than that of choice. Think about that thief who repented. Now, we don't know a lot about him, but we know this. In the end, all his bad choices were redeemed by a solitary good cho choice. He chose Christ. I've talked about this in the past. What, what do you think that was like when that guy shows up at heaven's door? They're like, who are you? He goes, I, 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 I'm here. And they're like, wait, how did, who, who sent you here? He goes, I don't know. That guy in the middle cross said I could come. And it's like, you know, I imagine they're like, hold on, hold on. Can you tell me, you know, your theology and, you know, have you participated in a church? Did you, did you get water baptized? Have you, you know, the, how do you, you know, explain your, the process of justification by faith? And he goes, I don't, I don't know any of that. All I know is the guy in the middle cross said I could come. I think a lot of times if we will just humble ourselves enough, right, on things you know, it doesn't matter, folks, how many bad choices you have made in your past. You can be redeemed by one good choice, the choice to give your life to Christ and follow him. I mean, here's the deal. If you're listening right now, if you haven't made that choice, you can make it right now. And I'm telling you, if you do, you'll never regret it. Hallelujah. I hope that inspired you today. And I praise the name of Jesus Christ. God bless you all. 
and be a light shining for Jesus Christ in your activities today and every day. God bless you. Bye now. Thank you for joining Dr. Candice for today's podcast. For more resources and weekly prophetic words direct in your email box, go to our website at www.candicesmithyman.com, Facebook at Candice Smithyman, or Instagram at Candice Smithyman. If you enjoyed today's episode, please subscribe, rate, and review the show on iTunes or wherever you listen to podcasts. Your review helps the show reach more people and spread the gospel. 